have to admit, uh, I'm a little nervous. Uh, not that I'm not used to speaking in front of people. I'm a, I'm a teacher, so I'm often speaking in front of people, but uh, usually no one's listening. And so it's, um, there's a lot of less pressure on, you know, what you're saying when all the kids are just texting and playing their games and uh, quite happily ignoring you. So, uh, but uh, I also kind of feel like maybe I was misled a little bit. I was kind of like Sunday morning is supposed to be this kind of much more serious crowd and you guys are uh, having contests, giving out prizes, uh, hooting and hollering. And it's, uh, I think maybe it's uh, some advice for us Saturday nighters who... Uh, Think we're think we're there, but uh, I'll do a brief introduction for you because I've I've been to Sunday morning once before, and it was to, to run the sound booth, so I've never actually kind of attended. Uh, my name is Gary Watson. I'm uh, been coming here for a little over a year. I think it was last day of summer, maybe last uh, last year we we came for the first time, and uh, I've been a follower of Jesus for 25 years, and uh, in that time I've had a chance to attend quite a few churches, and. Uh, when we came here, there was just something I really felt kind of special. I know that because I'm standing in front of you, I should say something like this, but there's something very special about this place, and I thought, well, the preaching's fantastic, um, but I've been to lots of churches where the, the preaching is fantastic, and the, and the worship is, is, I think the best compliment for worship is it's moving. It, it really, it takes you from coming in from the parking lot where you're wondering if you need to replace the windshield wiper blades to standing before the throne of God, like, in just minutes, right? But I've been to a lot of places where I've, I've, I've felt that kind of worship music, music move me. Um, but I think what it was, and it wasn't until we kind of thought about it a little bit further, when we were kind of deciding, you know, is Kingsway our new church home or not, we really discovered it was, it was the people who we were doing life with at church. And this idea of, of, you know, at the beginning when you share with each other what's going on in your lives... Is such an important part of what goes on in a church because we can all kind of file in, face forward, listen to the message, learn something, spend some time in the worship and, and in the presence of the Lord and, and really enjoy each other's company. But then we kind of all leave and, and we're all smiling when we come in, smiling when we come out. And I think uh, some, of the, some of the first nights we came Saturday night were some rough nights for some people, some people we didn't know breaking down and just saying, like, I can't do this without God, and I just need God's people to support us. And so we, we just were, were kind of blown away by that. And, and I think it was our second week here, Pastor Mark was doing a message on doing life together as a church. And I think that's what kind of sealed the deal for us anyway. Um, happily married, uh, 21 years. Candace, you've met. Um, I don't... Uh, I don't know how she does it, but she's still, she's still sticking it out, and that's really nice. Uh, my, I have one daughter here today. Emily's uh, 17 and uh, attends CSS, and my other daughter is, uh, as we heard, uh, a lot of people are fighting some colds right now, as am I, and she's at home. She's heard this message, as I've practiced all week, uh, probably seven or eight times, and she's probably uh, not listening anymore anyway. So, um, you know, but uh, I, I've explained to you before, I'm a geography teacher by trade, and uh, I'm currently doing a job... Uh, in my school, something called student success, which I think sometimes is a title that's just there to mock me because uh, the bulk of my work is with uh, kids who have dropped out and trying to get them back to school and what can we do to meet their needs and things like that, uh, as well as working with some kids who I think are awfully close to dropping out. Um, but I, I start with youth there because I kind of want to start tonight with youth and um, basically to say, you know, we, we've really enjoyed the youth ministry and I like to just... You know, the, the youth leadership in this, in this building is actually 11 people strong. Uh, I know our pictures are on the back, but there's, there's really a huge group of people who make youth happen. And um, one of the things that I, I 
would like to say is that the youth in this church are, are amazing people. And I know you think I have to say that. I can't really come up here and just say, listen, your kids are just awful. And, uh, you know, from now on, you know, Candace will take over. But uh, they really are. They're really, they're really hungry for God. And when you see young people who are coming in and asking questions and making commitments, it's just, it kind of blows you away. And I, I always think of that song, you know, that children are the future. And I just think if that's true, then Kingsway is in really good shape for uh, some time to come. I just realized I called the youth children, so don't tell them I said that. That, that will not go over well. But, uh, and if there's any youth here, they probably have their earbuds in anyway, so we're okay. But, <laughs> so, but this, what I'm going to share with you today, began as a youth lesson. Uh, this is something I shared with the youth when we were in Port Dover. We went down there for a day, and we, we shared a message in the park, which was kind of cool because, you know, people are walking by and wondering what we're doing. And then we went and played some mini golf and had some ice cream, and I wanted it to tie into Port Dover, so I kind of had two choices, really, bikers or fishing. And uh, try as I might, I couldn't quite get the biker message to work. So I decided I would kind of tie my talk that day to fishing. Uh, as you know, Port Dover is an important kind of uh, fishing location. And uh, I thought, I can't really take you all to Port Dover. But what I can do is kind of share some of my fishing exploits with you. And we'll just go through a series of pictures here. That's nice, eh? Yeah. Oh, now, now, just to explain that, I had a bee sting that day, so my head, like, swelled up really big, but that's, uh, that was exciting. Yeah. Bit of a fight with that one, yeah? Still stay in touch. One more here. So, well, well, this this is this is actually a yellowfin tuna, and I've always wondered how they get such a big fish in that little round can. But, uh, you know, if you want the really good fishing, sometimes you have to kind of leave southern Ontario, and so you can head down. You know, the Caribbean's a great place to fish. Not only are there huge fish there, but you can actually see into the water enough that you can see them coming. And uh, kind of thought of that, and I, I was uh, received a, a text from Pastor Mark actually last night, and I guess he had a chance to do some charter fishing while he was down there, and so he sent me a picture of how he was doing there. So, uh, so whether you've realized it or not, and if some of you uh, maybe are not computer savvy, you're like really impressed right now, but uh, if, I've been into the Photoshop, and uh, I, I did bring a picture though of a fish that I actually really did catch in real life. There he is. <laughs> I, uh, I named him Sparkles, more of a pet than a meal, really, but, uh, but you know, I, I kind of dabble, uh, but, but, you know, fishing for some people is just this, this passion, right, and they just absolutely love it, and it's what they want to do with all their spare time. Whenever they have a chance, they're out in the boat, they're out in the ice hut, whatever it might be, um, out there in fishing because they enjoy it, and it's relaxing, and it's their hobby, but we also know that for some people, and again, imagine yourself in Port Dover, fishing is work. Fishing is what they do for a living, and it really matters. You can have a great day fishing and catch nothing if it's a hobby. You don't have a great day fishing if it's your job, and you go out there all day, and you come back with nothing. And, uh, and so when we think about kind of a commercial fisherman, um, I think there's some character traits that you kind of have to have. You have to be kind of a certain type of person to be a commercial fisherman. Um, does anybody have any thoughts on the sort of thing that would make you a good fisherman? Just yell them out. Patience, perfect. Patience for sure. Knowledge. You said knowledge. Yeah. Persistence. No, that's the biker. I told you we're not doing the biker one. We're doing the fisherman one. I explained this to you. 
You got to have the right equipment. You got you got to have the and I like that idea of knowledge, that local knowledge especially. I went fishing with my daughters this summer and we went to a lake that rents boats because it's such a great lake for fishing and we went fishing all day and I pretty much just followed around other people because I don't know where to go, right? And and so I'd follow around other people and whatever they're doing was was involving some more knowledge than I did. I didn't have that local knowledge. I didn't know what they were trying to catch in what place, but these are the characteristics that are absolutely important to you if you want to be a successful fisherman. And of course, uh, we're kind of leading into, I think, here a rather famous passage from Mark. And if you have your Bibles, pull them out now would be a good time. Uh, Mark 1, and we'll put it up on the screen as well, verses 16 to 20. But this is, this is um, a depiction that happens very early in Mark, right? So a lot, of, a lot of the Gospels, if you're in chapter 1, you're still doing genealogies and the birth of Christ. But uh, chapter 1 of Mark, we're already out here. Uh, in the ministry. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And so we get, the, we get this picture here of, of Jesus kind of as he's beginning his ministry. He's, um, he's making his way through the land, and he comes across these guys who fish for a living. It's pretty clear that they're repairing their nets now, but they're heading off into the lake to fish in a short little while. And uh, so maybe it's the geography teacher in me. Maybe it's uh, the, you know, because I'm such a fantastic fisherman in my own right that I just I couldn't help but wonder, well, what are, what are they fishing for? And so, you know, Google knows everything. So I asked Google, what would they be fishing for with nets in the Sea of Galilee? And uh, the most likely fish they would have been after is something called a red-bellied tilapia, which sounds delicious. But uh, it's actually extremely similar, and i got a couple pictures here for you, to the, uh, to the yellow perch that we pull out of Lake Erie so, so effectively all summer long. And so what's, what's exceedingly interesting about... Uh, to me at least, to about these fish, are they're, they're basically about the same size. They're small, maybe averaging about a pound, six to eight inches, obviously, yellow perches up top and the tilapias down below. And uh, they have lots of predators and basically no defense mechanism of their own. They're not fast, they're not smart, they're not scary, they don't have big teeth. Uh, they're bite-sized for pretty much everything that's out there that wants to, wants to catch them. So they really only have one thing they can do, and it's what a lot of small fish do. Does anybody know what, what a small fish do to stay out? They, they try swimming fast, but they swim fast in schools. They f- swim fast in groups. And the premise isn't that, you know, it's not a gang mentality that if all of us yellow perch hang out together, nobody will want to mess with us. It's a little different. It's basically saying, look, if, some, if, if a predator shows up, uh, he's going to eat a whole bunch of us, but I'm just hoping the whole bunch is a whole bunch of us not a whole bunch of us, and because they're not going to have a chance to, uh, to get away. And it kind of reminds me of, a, of an old joke, and it's um, two guys are walking through, through a forest, and the one guy every few minutes stops and he claps his hand, and he just yells, yells out random things. And that one guy's just like, what are you doing? He says, well, I don't want to come across a bear. There's bear in these woods, and I don't want to kind of startle one, and it'll get aggressive. So I'm just making enough noise that they know I'm coming. So that if I do startle one or they do hear me coming, they'll run away rather than attack us. So the other guy says, well, that's actually a really smart idea. Uh, but just, just out of curiosity, in case it does happen, what do you do if you come across a bear that's aggressive with you? And so the first guy looks at me and says, well, uh, we run. 
And he says, really? You can outrun a bear? And he says, no, nobody can outrun a bear, but I'm pretty sure I can outrun you. <laughs> and so, so it's the same sort of premise, right? That these fish school together not to protect themselves as a whole, but to kind of protect the individual. And that's what these guys were doing. That's what we see um, happening here. We have these guys preparing their nets. They're getting ready to go fishing. And Jesus kind of just walks up to them. And he, and, he, and he just says what he says. I'll make you fisher of men. And I think it's a fairly straightforward analogy. But before I kind of leave the concept of fishing, I do have one other kind of important scientific principle that I think I should explain so that if you come across it, you don't think I was just making this stuff up. And it's called the E.B. Bergsma principle. It's a very famous scientific principle. And what it basically says is any normal fisherman can't catch large numbers of fish to, to survive on uh, using a rod and reel. You have to use nets. But uh, Pastor Mark and E.B., I guess, were talking recently, and they were doing some quick math, and word out that uh, E.B.'s probably pulled out between 130 and 150,000 yellow perch out of Lake Erie in his lifetime. So that's, that's the exception to the rule, and I promise you if the rest of us want to go catch that many fish, we're probably going to go find a net, and we're probably going to work the, the lake that way. But uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, Pastor Mark told me, so it must be true. Um, but it's a, it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty standard analogy, and I think bef- the last thing I would like to say before we kind of dig into it is just this idea of Jesus always had this way of talking to people how they could understand him. So just, you know, just you go back, you go forward a few verses and you hear him talk. He's talking to farmers about reaping and sowing. He's, he's talking to shepherds about sheep and he's talking to fishermen about fish. And that's, that's how he had this, uh, this kind of way of connecting with people. It was so powerful. And, uh, and when we look at what he was doing, we, we see that, you know, if we take this analogy of him saying, well, if you cast out your nets, you may catch fish. But if you cast out the gospel, you'll, you'll, you'll bring into bring into me, bring into you people. And this idea of, of kind of that analogy, I think we can see, if we just back up two verses from where you were there, if you have your book out, and if not, we'll, we'll put it back up again, I'm sure. This idea of what was Jesus doing immediately before he came across these guys in their boats. And so these are the two verses that uh, go before what I just read to you. And it says, later on, after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, John went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's walking through the land. He sees a farmer. He's talking to them about reaping and sowing. He sees a shepherd. He talks to them about lost sheep. And he comes across these fishermen preparing their nets. And he just looks at them and says, I can make you fisher of men. And and probably in one of the most uh, amazing things you'll find anywhere in the Bible, to be honest, they just got up and said, yeah, and just started to follow him. So if, if, we, um, if we take that analogy and maybe just kind of go back to something we just talked about, if we're to be fisher of men, and if, if our goal is to basically be able to reach people in the same way that a fisherman is reaching out and catching fish, I think we need to think about what sort of characteristics or personality traits would be powerful for us to have. So if, if patience is important to a fisherman, is patience important to you? What about perseverance? What about a great local knowledge of the people around you? Right? These are all powerful things for us as well. And uh, I'm going I'm to send you to uh, one other scripture reference here. And I want to be careful how I present it to you because it's, we always have to be careful about not being in context. And this is not in context to what Jesus was talking about here. But it does talk about, he's actually talking about judgment. 
And in Matthew 13, verses 47 and 48, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that it was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down and sorted the good fish into crates and threw the bad ones away. And so, again, this is not a, this is not a picture of, of casting and make, being fisher of men, but it does demonstrate for us this idea that um, you know, when, when you're fishing with a net, you catch what you catch. You're not really overly responsible. Excuse me. You're not overly responsible for what fish is in your net and what fish isn't in your net. You may, you may know a great place that's usually good for a certain fish, but you, may, you don't know what you're going to catch. And that really, as a fisherman, it's not your job to catch fish. Your job is to throw that net out, draw it back into the boat. It's kind of up to the fish. It's not really up to you. You may, you may know a great place, and you may have a great technique, and if you're into rod and reel fishing, you may have the perfect lure or whatever it might be. But really what you're doing is you're, the action that you're doing as that fisherman is casting that net, drawing it back in the boat, casting it again, drawing it back in the boat, and that's where that patience and perseverance comes in. And so we, we think of that, and I think of, well, who did Jesus talk to in his time? In his three years where we have a great detail about who he spoke to, who did Jesus talk to? Can you think of any? Just average people. The woman at the well. Drunks. Homeless. Rich. Poor. Sorry. Religious leaders. He's talking to Nicodemus, who is like one of the great Pharisees of the land. He actually gets an audience with Herod. It's probably not in the context that many of us would want to be in, but he gets an audience with the greatest political leader in the land. He talks to people who are tax collectors, which again, we understand it's kind of the Bible's way of saying the worst of the worst, the people that nobody wanted to associate with. Uh, the sick, right? You can't heal the sick without meeting the sick. And so Jesus met with all these people. He did not discern which people would look really good in a pew and which people probably weren't there. And I, I've used the expression uh, with the youth before, this idea of being church ready. It's not our job to decide who's church ready. You know, that kid looks like he can actually come in and sit down and, and attend a youth meeting and kind of, you know, know how to act in church and that sort of idea. There's no, you know, I was about to say there's no such thing as church ready. There's, everybody's church ready. It's not our job to decide, you know what, they need to hear the word of God, but then just walk past dozens of other people who we don't think of that way. So when we think of who can we share the gospel with, you know, there's so many people in our lives. Most of us have family. Who, who, parts of our families who are not believers, friends we know, people we barely know, neighbors that we only talk to when we happen to be putting the garbage out at the same time or complaining about the wet snow we have to shovel. All these people that we come into contact to, it's just like Jesus. But when he came into contact with these people, he had a consistent message. He, had, he shared the good news no matter what the circumstance. Imagine you're on trial for your life and you're preaching. And, and we see Jesus doing that, and we know that whoever it is with us, the coworker we don't really like, sometimes we think we just better if we just steer clear of them, or that family member maybe we don't like, and we think we should maybe just steer clear of them, that our job as fishermen, and if we take this analogy to say our job as believers then, is to cast that net, to cast that gospel out. Let God worry about who's in the net. If you live your life in a way that everybody sees the love of Christ in you and Jesus in you, it, it, it becomes such an easy thing to do. It becomes one of the most easy things to do to witness, which for me was always like, oh, don't say that. I don't want to do that. Don't make me go, what, do I print up pamphlets? Do I go to people? I don't know what to do. The, the real way to witness, the real way to show people who Christ is, is let them see you. And so 
I think the, the, the final comment I would say to that then is, is that we're all fishermen. And it's a little bit like being salt and light. It's not like we're called to be fishermen. You just are. Your life is, is noticed by people. How you act, how you talk, how you, how you, who you give glory to. These sort of things are noticed by people. And so you're casting that net. And we just always want to make sure that we're doing that for the glory of God. Um, I, I would probably say then, you know, I, I don't want to leave, leave with the idea that, you know, it's, it's, there's not, um, part of that process is not that, that conviction, people feeling it, people feeling, um, you know, that they realize something's wrong, they realize there's something better out there, but that's, uh, that's not our job, that's the Holy Spirit's job. We're told repeatedly that the Holy Spirit comes, and, you know, sometimes I've heard people refer to the Holy Spirit as their gut, you know, it's that feeling, the feeling that there's more. We had, uh, we had a, a young guy out to church last night, hadn't been out before, and uh, just, you know, he had his head down the whole service. He was really struggling with something. And just an opportunity for him to hear the gospel, to meet other people, that's, that's how we go about casting that net. It's not something that needs to be difficult. And so uh, I think a huge part of it is to share our story, as I just said. But I think, and going back to the first thing I said about why I, I, I love Kingsway so much, there's this concept of sh- when you share your life together, you can share the experiences of your entire church with people. So I, I, I've, I've never lost a parent. But I've had conversations with people who are struggling because they just lost a parent. But I know people in my church, and how do they react? What did they do? Did they, did they run to Christ? Did they, did they run to Jesus and just kind of take up residence in his arms? Or did they just struggle through it and just with anger and bitter disappointment? There's so many things going on in your church, and I think that the, when we share at the beginning, it's such a valuable time. Not just that we can know each other and offer some support and, and kind of, you know, have a nice conversation on the way out the door, but now we're becoming part of this church family where we now represent basically the, the body of Christ, if you will, um, rather than just kind of ourselves. And so, you know, sharing from the Bible obviously would be fantastic. Inviting people to church, just having people come out to church and join you, um, getting, getting a chance to meet some of the people that you're often talking about. And, uh, you know, I always talk to the youth about things I call easy invites. Sometimes it's hard to invite a non-believer to Bible study because non-believers may have this whole kind of idea of what that means. And so you might invite somebody to church, and they're like, oh, church, no thanks. Um, but I always talk to them about easy invites. So part of the reason we do, uh, we do New Year's Eve parties is not because, well, partially because I never get invited to one, so now I actually get to go this year. But another part of it, you know, that's an easy invite to tell your friend at school, hey, do you want to go to New Year's Eve party? Or do you want to go to Port Dover and do some mini golf? And so that opportunity to do uh, those easy invites, and I think there's a, a really easy invite coming up with a Christmas concert on the 21st where people are so much more willing as we get close to Christmas to hear the name of Jesus without cringing and just to understand what's going on. I think if, if most of you, you know, in the middle of February invited someone to church saying, hey, there's going to be some kids singing at my church tonight. You want to come? Maybe not. But you say around Christmas time, do you want to come out? We have a fantastic Christmas concert. It's going to be a great time. Love to have you come. That's an easy invite. So how you cast that net is, is, is really up to you. It's how you live. Uh, you know, if you're shoveling your snow and you're just talking to your neighbor about, you know, got to get this cleared out for tomorrow morning, we're going to church. Oh, you go to church? You just cast the net, right? Now you're going to be able to have that conversation with them. And so I think maybe, uh, maybe I've kind of been rambling here, but maybe I'll, I'll try to find a way to kind of um, simplify what I was saying. And I'll do that through a series of pictures. And I think when it comes to kind of sharing the gospel, casting the net, witnessing to others, I think it's really kind of simple as just having less of this. 
and a lot and a lot more of this and less of this and a lot more of this and there just needs to be a lot less of this this and this and just as the people of God we just need a lot more of this this and this It doesn't have to be difficult. It just has to be you willing to share your life. If great, the, I'm not going to almost say if, great things are happening in your life thanks to Jesus. Great things are happening in your life thanks to your church family. Great things are happening in your life. Just need to be willing to share them. And you know what? Maybe, maybe I can even simplify it one step further. I'll just show you a little video clip here. Two, two weeks ago, Pastor Mark was talking about the history of Kingsway, and he talked about looking back and, and focusing forward. And he, uh, he said something. As soon as he said it, I just, I just wrote it down frantically in the back of my Bible just because it's, uh, it really, for me, it crystallizes this whole idea. He said that he was so glad we are a church where the pastor is not the only one that ministers to the people in our community. I just thought, like, how small would the kingdom of God be if only trained pastors could talk to people about Christ? It just... Uh, so, uh, you know, just, just to kind of uh, finalize and sum up, you know, as a believer, it certainly is your, not your job to make people feel guilty, to convict people that they need change. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit's job. But your job is just to cast that nut, to put out this, this constant understanding that, that you're a believer, that there's something special about Jesus Christ and that you're willing to share with them anytime they're willing to listen and just that we're all fishermen. And uh, I hope, hopefully you see this as an encouragement, but also a challenge. And I would say that... Uh, you know, to spend some time this week in prayer and just, just talking to God about how can I do this, where can I do this, and how do I get started? Because sometimes it's hard to get started, but it's just simply a case of going out there and, and going fishing. It really is. And so uh, I guess in conclusion, I would just say, you know, if you're, if you're being honest, if you're presenting Christ that you know, the Christ that is within you to people, you really can't do it wrong. Um, unlike fishing, when you're fishing, there are ways you can do it wrong. But... Uh, can I, can I pray with you just as we close then? Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for Kingsway. Thank you for a family of believers, Lord, who just um, shine your light wherever they go, Lord, and, and just uh, are so uh, in love with you, Lord, that everyone can see, everyone can tell. And Lord, I just, I just pray for our congregation that just for uh, boldness, Lord, to have some of these simple yet uh, sometimes hard-to-start conversations, meet people, let people know, invite people, let people become part of our lives, Lord, that they can understand the, the great gift that we have that's ready and, we, and available for them as well, Lord. And I just pray that you would uh, uh, be with us all this week. Uh, re- help us to return help, healthy and happy next week, Lord, and just uh, that we pray this in your powerful, mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.